Hi, and welcome to the Super Bowl edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. We finally made it. We yes, fi- we did, We Alex. finally made it. Of course, I'm here with Shai Dweck and myself, Alex Rubinson, as it's the final game, the biggest game of the 2021-2022 NFL season. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be an entertaining game, and we're going to break it all down. So, Shai... Let's start it right up, because it's game time. So, Shai, I feel that, you know, one, obviously just one game on the slate, the Super Bowl, biggest game of the season. Where do you want to start off? Because we really can start off with so many things, so many storylines heading into this Bengals-Rams matchup. I think that's a great question. I like to kind of start all these big playoff games, Alex, it's kind of mapping out the journey for each team. You look at Cincinnati, probably the greatest two-year comeback we've seen, and I would say probably the last decade or so. It definitely last decade, as when you look throughout history, the only, I think, year-to-year transition that might be this for any organization is you look at the team across from the Bengals, the Rams, I believe they went 4-12, Next year, they won the Super Bowl. That obviously was almost just about over two decades ago with Kurt Warner. So obviously, this Rams team, completely different. But this is a really historic two-year turnaround, or really two, three-year turnaround. When you look at coming into this year, they had six wins the previous two years combined. Yeah, I, I, I think when you look at a team like the Bengals, who have really had to claw their way in that AFC North. And they were the bottom seed, the bottom feeders. You're laughing because of the claw, the, the claw reference, because of the, the Bengals. Yes. Claw there. Yes. I actually didn't mean for there to be no. any sort of pun or joke I, I thought there. you were going for your best dad joke there. No, I really wasn't. I, I, that just came to me naturally, um, as embarrassing as, as that may be. But they... You should have just played along. I should have played along, yeah. <laughs> they, they've fought to really be in conversation with some of these powerhouses. The Browns have started to even overtake them in that division. Um, the last two years, the resurgence of, you know... Wait, yeah. no, let's call it like it is. For the last decade plus, this division was dominated by the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers. Two teams that not just dominated this division, but were... Really, throughout the last decade, even if they didn't always win, AFC Super Bowl contenders. And even when the Bengals were, had some decent years with Andy Dalton, they were really, you know, the epitome of kind of mediocrity. No one thought much of them, even when they were in the playoffs. They never could get over that hump of winning a playoff game, which we saw right off the bat they they were able to do in Joe Burrow's second season as the quarterback. And I was really the face of the franchise, and the leader of a multi-billion dollar organization. And even when the Bengals had those years where they were able to compete, it was mainly because they were a tough, gritty team. They embraced that kind of uh, AFC North style of ball where they would just punch you in the mouth and hope that Andy Dalton could make enough plays. And now you look at this team with Joe Burrow, it's all about finesse. And we might be talking about one of their weaknesses is maybe not being able to punch some teams in the mouth, be as physical in the trenches. But they're here. They're 10-7, and seven, and they're here 
as the fourth seed representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that's pretty remarkable. I've been saying it for a while, but it's going to be hard for me as a Steelers fan that's watched this team you know, play a lot in my life to, to really not marvel at the accomplishment of the Cincinnati Bengals, although I will be rooting against them heavily in this game. Of course. That's, you've been rooting against them all year, and they continue to... Uh, they blew us they, out twice. They continue to win. I guess my question for you before we kind of get more into the Ram side of things, and this is, I think, transitioning towards L.A. At what position or what matchup do you look at and say, Cincinnati is definitively better than the Rams? Because I think whether you want to look at positions, whether you want to look at matchups, from a talent perspective, and it goes well beyond talent at the end of the day, but from a strictly talent perspective... Where does Cincy have that edge? I will say this to you, and I will say it firmly. The Rams are the much better team on paper. I will not be debating you one bit on that. But games, and especially these big games, the Super Bowl, of any of them, it can be really any given Sunday. The games are played by consistency, and sometimes, even if you're not better on paper... Coat your coat. You're better coached. You know we've seen teams led by Bill Belichick overcome. You know a lot of uh, talent odds. Even co- even coaching staff. Like as a, and I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you on on those fronts. But looking at the coaching staffs, are we? Sh- I would probably say L. A. has the advantage there too. No, <laughs> not this season, Alex. Um, Zach Taylor um, should. You know he was a candidate for coach of the year, and rightfully so. He may not get it because we don't include um, the postseason in that award. But we look at what they've been able to do um, on that side of the ball and how that defense especially has been able to stand up and I'd argue play just as good as these Rams in the postseason. It's really hard to say, yeah, okay, well, they have Jalen Ramsey, they have Aaron Donald, they have all these players, they're going to win these matchups. When the Bengals have consistently overcome these odds. So, I'll answer your question. I'll say quarterback, for sure. Do you think definitively Joe Burrow? I think it's definitive. Okay. I think from what we've seen, there's not really a doubt in my mind to say that Joe Burrow is definitively has the edge over Matt Stafford right now. Not Not to say that Matt Stafford has been subpar in these postseasons. He's actually, I think... Playing some of his best. Exactly. It's just Joe Burrow's been that good. I would probably I would probably agree with you overall. What I find funny is how many times throughout the course of a season, I'm not even just talking about football at this point, any sport, through the course of mainly the regular season, but sometimes the playoffs as well, we hear the phrase talent wins out. Mm. In the end, talent wins out. I feel like that's a phrase that's been repeated for years. And yet, maybe it's because the NFL isn't a seven-game series or a five-game series, and it is just a one-game winner-take-all. But looking throughout history, how many times have we seen where that's not the case? And I think it's happened, you know, you don't want to say it's happened often and every year, but I think you, you look at, there are plenty of moments throughout history where the team that was less talented 
came out on top. And I think that's the beauty of football. That's the beauty of kind of this one game, hence the name Super Bowl. You know, it's not a, as I said, it's not like baseball, basketball, hockey, where you have a series where you can have an off night and still come back and win the championship. That's not the case in football. I, I don't know. I, what I really like from the Rams, and I don't know if Burrow's definitively better than Stafford, although I probably would give him the edge right now. What I loved from the Rams a couple weeks ago, and what I think gave me more confidence, I don't want to say confidence in terms of the, that they'll beat Cincy, but just overall confidence in that team, is those first two weeks of the playoffs, they won, you know, they scored a lot of points, they got leads early, they did have to obviously, you know, Brady led them, led Tampa on the comeback. Rams had a you know kick the game winning field goal, but it seemed like that game against the Niners was just a different brand of football that the Rams were forced to play than the previous two weeks. They they couldn't win with finesse like they did against uh, Tampa and especially Arizona. They had to win a tough physical football game where in the first three plus quarters I would say. The Niners imposed their will, won at the point of attack, and were the more dominant team in the trenches. But when they were down 10, and they needed to make plays, and their season was on the line, they rose to the occasion, and they won a game that was physically and mentally exhausting, something that we hadn't seen from the Rams for much of the season, especially as of late in in those previous two playoff wins. Right, and I think... We saw a similar performance from Cincinnati against Tennessee. And I think both are important that we've seen these two teams do this. Because otherwise, you're right. We are talking about two teams, very finesse. Uh, They play a very finesse style. um, I would say really on offense and defense. They they don't really try to impose their will. It's more... I think Aaron Donald does. Aaron Donald does. But I think that defense as a whole is, is very... I feel they feel very skill based. Go for turnovers. You get get more of those big chunk plays than the little things, even defensively. Whether that's a an interception, a big sack, and I think from going back to Aaron Donald, we talk about how he's arguably the best player in the NFL, regardless of position. Certainly the best defensive player in the NFL. And I think it was when you know we always hear big time players make big time plays in big time games. And Aaron Donald, for, as I said, probably almost the entire game, the Niners neutralized Donald. But when the Rams needed to make a play to seal the win, when they had first gotten that lead, that 20-17 to lead, the guy with what ultimately became the game-winning play was Aaron Donald. That he didn't let those first, really, three quarters and another 12-plus minutes deter him and let that neutralization from the Niners get in his way. He still kind of kept that that motor that's made him one of the most dominant players in the NFL. And he ultimately, you know, obviously had the game when he played. What I will say is, if you're the Bengals, you needed to do everything you can. Watch every little film and snap of what the Niners did to Donald. Because, yes, Donald obviously won in the end. But for the majority of that game... Shy, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the Niners did a pretty good job to neutralize and even, dare I say, take Donald out of the game until Donald got his way at the very end. Yes, you could say, well, in the end, Donald still won out, but we haven't really seen a team beat Donald up the way the Rams did 
for as much of the game. I think that's right. I don't think that is an incorrect assertion at all. It's, t- it's going to be a tall task for Cincinnati. Um, both you know going up against this Rams defense as a whole, but also trying to trying to successfully double team Aaron Donald, and you know we're talking about successfully double teaming because that's not always enough. For, and also, this, we're talking about the Niners have one of the strongest offensive lines in football across the board. You look at Cincinnati; their offensive line is so hard to begin with, and then you look at that interior offensive line. They might have one of the weakest interior offensive lines in the NFL, which is which is why we even continue to marvel at how at, at the fact that they're still in this position, and that's where all the credit goes to a guy like Joe Burrow. Yeah, and I would say you're right. It is Joe Burrow because I say more than anything, it's not going to be about can Trey Hopkins, can Jackson Carmen, you know, successfully uh, win some of these battles against Aaron Donald. It will be important, but what's going to be more important is. Can Joe Burrow play with the same kind of attitude, the same kind of swagger mentality to keep getting back up like he did against Tennessee? He got hit over and over and over and over again in that game and still was able to step up in the pocket, have the confidence to deliver those types of shots. And we even saw in that game, Ryan Tannehill was not able to do that. So I think that's what really separates Joe Burrow. And I think if... He didn't have that same kind of killer instinct that we've been talking about. If, that he didn't same... have that, if he didn't have that same killer instinct, I don't even know if they would have been Vegas in the first round. Oh, I think that's right. Um, but I think to be able to, to have a... The confidence that he has in his really first full season in the league, a year off his torn ACL, is something, exactly is something that we really haven't seen before. And at I, this age. We keep saying this, but... This was a guy who in the offseason was open about having confidence issues stepping up in the pocket because of his you, offensive line. You talk about confidence issues. You were saying the offseason. And, I mean, yes, technically it's before the regular season began. We were seeing it firsthand in the preseason how he was kind of looking out his peripherals, not confident stepping up, moving gingerly on his legs, not because he was afraid of pain, but because he was afraid that he might land awkwardly or... He was very cognizant, I feel like, of what was going on around him when, and he wasn't playing at that confidence level of, you know, grip it and rip it, which he is now. I I think, yeah, that's that's absolutely right. You're spot on. I want to look at the Rams for a second here. We talk about a team. We said they're Super Bowl or bust. They were the last couple of seasons. Couple I of seasons, like. but I feel like this season with. Jared Goff got them to a Super Bowl. Obviously, they couldn't get that done. They traded Goff and multiple first-rounders for Matthew Stafford. Yes, we may have been saying Super Bowl or bust the last couple years now, but it really felt like this year above all because of that Matthew Stafford trade. Because of, hey, your former quarterback got you to this point. Can your can the guy you brought in to replace him get you past this point? And obviously, that means one thing, and that's holding the Vince Lombardi trophy. I, I that's absolutely right. You've mortgaged so much of your future to assemble this team. And you have as good a shot as any to win the Super Bowl this year. You're playing against an opponent that, as you said, many would believe the talent should win out. You have a strongest chance of ending to win this game, and probably most people would take the Rams, I would say, to win this game. Yeah, I mean, you... 
Look, if you want to say over 50% would take the Rams, I would agree with you, but I don't think it's going to be a heavy Rams. In their home stadium, though. In their home stadium. I mean, technically they're the away team, which is pretty ironic. But I don't think, you know, if we were talking about the Chiefs in their home stadium, I know they lost earlier in the home stadium, but like the Packers, like, I do feel like the Rams, I mean, we saw with the Niners, and I know the Niners living, being in San Francisco are close by, but let's... The Rams don't have this huge home field advantage that some other organizations have. And we saw the way Cincinnati fans have been traveling this postseason. No, but what does make a difference is Cincinnati having to travel all the way to the West Coast. And we even saw that they landed yesterday, I believe, which obviously you get get there early for the Super Bowl. But it helps to be able to acclimate to that environment on the West Coast before the game. And I understand that. At the same time, they're playing in a dome. They travel to Kansas City, they travel to Tennessee, and keep in mind, they traveled to those games a day or two before. Here, as you said, they pulled in yesterday, which was Tuesday, the game's on Sunday. So in terms of a time difference or getting acclimated to certain things, that'll, I think, all be taken care of uh, by by the time the game rolls around Sunday. So I don't think, although the Rams might have a, you know, they get they do get to sleep in their own bed. And the commute might not, you know, they can take their own cars in terms of the commute. So that definitely does play in Ellie's uh, favor. But I think once the lights turn on and whoever, you know, kicks off, kicks off, I don't think there's going to be this huge, well, Rams have this big home field advantage. I, I think I tend to, to agree with you for the most part. But I think it's uh, something that was important, I thought, to point out. Getting into the the matchups of this game, you asked me, where Cincinnati has the edge. I want to ask you, where do the Rams look to exploit? What's their recipe to win this game? I, I think it kind of goes back to, and I know it didn't work with Tennessee, but just keep hitting Burrow. I, they have to make life absolutely miserable. Because if you remember, you know, we can talk about, yeah, the the Bengals ended up winning that game. Tannehill threw an interception, a very late interception, that put Cincy at midfield that set him up for the game-winning field goal. And feel free to disagree with me. I, obviously, he could have an off, he could have an off night. I am more trusting Matthew Stafford than Ryan Tannehill. I feel like if this Bengals team, specifically the offense, puts up a similar performance to what they did against Tennessee... I don't know if that'll be enough because I think this Rams offense is more explosive. I don't think the Bengals have the personnel to limit a guy like Cooper Cup. You see the type of impact and chemistry that Odo Beckham Jr. has kind of transformed with Matthew Stafford. Odo Beckham Jr. had nine catches for 113 yards in the NFC Championship game. Yes, the Titans have A.J. Brown, but they didn't have that number two that could go for over 100. Julio Jones wasn't that type of receiver this season. So I definitely think that if the Rams can get the same caliber of pressure that the Titans did on Burrow, I don't know if the Bengals will be able to overcome that as much because I think mm. this Bang or this Rams offense is more explosive and will be and it has shown to be more consistent overall than the Titans offense. I think yeah, I think I, I definitely am seeing uh what you're saying there for the most part. What do you think of, about the Bengals' defense. We're talking about a team that came out, basically shut down Kansas City from the half, 
played with such a motor. You saw guys like and Sam think, Hubbard coming out to play. Some Eli of it was, I'll, I'll say some of it was self-inflicted, but overall their sure. defense was much improved that second half. They just always seem to be there when the moment when the moment calls for it. That defense always seems to just step up, and it's not always the big name. It's not always the Trey Hendrickson's. Well, see, that's the thing. As it it doesn't always have to be the biggest of names. It can be unsung heroes. But Trey Hendrickson, and I believe he signed a four-year, $60 million deal in the offseason. You think that's right? You sign those type of deals, and I said it earlier in the podcast, you sign you, you know, big-time players, make big-time plays in big-time games. And Trey Hendrickson, I was critical of the deal at the time. He's had a tremendous first season in the Bengals organization. But you sign guys to $15 million per year deals for moments like these. Mm. And maybe Sam Hubbard can make a few plays. Maybe Jesse Bates can get a key interception or a key deflection. But right now, I think you've got to point to Trey Hendrickson. And I'm not saying he has to carry the load by himself. It has to be a one-man wrecking crew type effort. But if this Bengals defense is going to have success in slowing down the Rams' offense, I think it has to come from the defensive line. I have a hard time believing that Cincy's secondary will be the ones to shut down Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. after we've seen much more talented secondaries fail to do that. I I think that's fair. I think it starts with getting the Rams to be one-dimensional. And I think that's where Cincinnati might hold more chips than they do in some of these other matchups. You have linebackers like Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt playing really well in this postseason. And you talk about some of those guys on the defensive line. I think if you can commit to stopping the run early in the game, I think the Rams give up on it. And then I think you're pinning your ears back and you're giving your secondary more of a chance. The Bengals have to win. We always say you know, the Bengals have to win with four pass rushers. They cannot. Blitzing will not work. You need, against guys like Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., even a Van Jefferson, you need all the guys in the secondary you can get. And I know that it actually worked against KC. There are going to be plays throughout this game where the Bengals are going to need to win with three pass rushers. I, 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 think, I think that's right. And that's why you've got to do the little things. It's going to come down to little fundamentals for the Bengals. You know, because if the Rams are able to establish a rhythm early then a four-man rush, things like motions, chips, screens, stuff of that nature, even play action, you let the Rams get into a play action where they can, where Stafford can be especially dangerous, then you, you put yourself in a he's hole. really digging themselves a hole that I don't even know if Joe Burrow can climb them out of. But if you make you know, Stafford drop back, you know, take the snap out of the gun you know, 40 times this game, that might, that might be what it needs to take for the Bengals pass rush to be able to get comfortable, get confident, and shorten the length of those plays. If you talk about three, four-second plays versus five, six-second plays, that's the difference in my mind. It's just the accumulation of fundamental little things, getting off blocks, making tackles that are going to slow the Rams down and really stall out their patience as well. Now, I've seen this, you know, people have been discussing in terms of if you're the Rams, 
you have one of them. You have the best corner in the NFL, at least in my mind, Jan Ramsey. I think this past season, right now, I'd probably say he's the best cornerback in the league today. Do you a basically put Ramsey on an island against Jamar Chase, and then kind of you know figure it out with Higgins, figure it out maybe double Higgins or you know you want to redirect your safety somewhere else, or do you put Ramsey on Higgins to completely take out their number two and then double Jamar Chase? I think you go with plan B because I think Jamar Chase is going to win some of those battles. Regardless. And and if he wins one or two battles, that could be a difference of 10 to 14 points. So with how explosive he can be in the chemistry he has of Joe Burrow... I say you neutralize the safety blanket that is T. Higgins, and then you make Jamar Chase work between the zones. You make Jamar Chase play like a veteran, work for it, instead of running these go routes or these you know, quick double moves and single coverage where you're really just beating one guy. And I think that's where you see a guy like Cooper Cup, a veteran who... You're probably saying, let's play more man coverage, because if we play zone, he's going to find that soft spot every time. In Cooper Cup, I think, you know, kind of getting to him, he's so, he's not, you know, coming out of college, he wasn't, he's not this speedster, this big body type receiver. He's so advanced in his route running, he knows how to get open, where that's how you beat a zone and a man, press man, when the corner plays off. Cup knows how to beat every coverage, and I think... Chase is getting to that point, but there are parts of his route running that probably can still improve, which is dangerous to say, but probably, I think, in terms of polished as a route runner, Cooper Cup's probably the more polished guy in this matchup. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think Jamar Chase is more explosive. I think Jamar Chase, on the, on the surface right now, might be just more physically talented, for sure. Um... But I think if you're the Rams, you gotta. It's not your identity, but I think you gotta consider playing a little bit of zone here, just mixing up those coverages, frustrating these young receivers a little bit, because you talk about you know teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, teams like the Tennessee Titans, they're more man-based teams. Those are teams that like to play more man coverage, and I think we've seen what. Guys like Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, even Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzana are able to do against that coverage. If you mix it up, you make Joe Burr hold the ball a little bit longer, then you allow guys like Aaron Donald or even Leonard Floyd or uh, Vaughn Miller off the edge to win coverage, uh, to win matchups in single, um, just to win their their one-on-one matchups. I think I'm going to share my X Factor for this game. Please do, Alex. And it's a guy that last year I was banging the drum for in terms of I thought he was one of the under one of the underrated players at his position, and this year he hasn't been able to replicate that. And that's Darius Williams, the number two mm. cornerback for the Los Angeles Rams. Last year, I mean, Jalen Ramsey got all the attention and he deserved really all of it. But you look at last year, Darius Williams was really one of one of if not the best number two corner cornerbacks in the NFL. And I thought was really an unsung hero on that Rams defense. He underwent a jersey number switch this year. And 
I don't know. That obviously has nothing to do with it, but he's not the same player. He's not the same player he was last year. And I don't know if last year was a fluke, if this year's a fluke, what's happened over the offseason with him. But I think we talked about no matter how you deploy the safeties, no matter how you use Jalen Ramsey, whether you use him the same way throughout the game, change his roles, the Bengals have three really good wide receivers. Well, obviously we mentioned Higgins and Chase, but also Tyler Boyd, probably one of the best number three receivers in the NFL. Darius Williams might get help, and he probably should get help because I would expect him to be guarding at least uh, one of the top three, probably one of the top two receivers on the Bengals. So he doesn't, he's not going to have to play perfect. He should be getting help over the top. But I really think if the Rams want to win this game, if the Rams want to hold the Bengals' offense, hold Joe Burrow and that passing attack in check, Darius Williams has to, I don't know if it's watching film from last year, seeing what he's doing right, what he's doing wrong, Darius Williams has to return to last year's form if the Rams' defense wants to do their job and limit this explosive passing attack of the Cincinnati Bengals. Darius Williams, I think a huge name that needs to be circled in terms of how this game and this game script could play out. I think that's... That's, I think that's really excellent. Um, Williams, you know, if we go with, you know, if we're the defensive coordinators, we might have Darius, Darius Williams on Jamar Chase, you know, with some help. Um, I think he'll be very, very key for this game in that Rams secondary. But another guy I'm watching, a defensive back on the Bengals side of things, number 21, Mike Hilton. Uh, not just because he's a former Pittsburgh Steeler, but they ask him to do a lot. They ask him to come off the edge and blitz. They ask him to play in the run support. They ask him to essentially cover the slot in one-on-one at times, even Which, though they're, they may not do as much. But I'm telling you, there will be times where Cooper Cup is going to have a one-on-one matchup. Do you think that Hilton would guard Cup if Cup moves in the slot? Or, they pull, or would a guy like a Wuzier travel with Cup? How do you see... Since it could, I... I I'd be shocked if there is a single play. If I if I am the Bengals defensive coordinator, Lou and Arumo, I there are two guys on Cup every play, at least. I think the way that this game shapes up, I think there'll probably be at least one scenario in where Cup it has single coverage. Has has a even if it's a zone or and something, I, he'll I have a one, up, one probably, guy in front of him. There's probably gonna be instances, a few throughout the game, but Odo, he had over 100 yards last year. Or not last year, last game. He's really grown into his role. He's obviously a phenomenal talent. But I just cannot, after what he's, after what he's done all year long and through these three postseason games, the one guy who I can't let, let, us be, let beat us is Cooper Cup. I think that's very fair. And I, I would... I, we'll see. We've been saying it all year, and yet somehow... Cup seems to always be open, but I I'd rather have almost three. I I almost rather be safe and sorry and accidentally put maybe an extra guy on Cup. Cup always seems to be open, and some of it's because of his understanding of opposing defenses, his phenomenal route running, his ability to you know break his breaks coming in and out of breaks is phenomenal. You cannot let Cooper Cup wreck this game, if for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's tough to walk off the field anyway when you lose a Super Bowl. 
But I feel like it would even have to be more painful knowing the one guy we couldn't let beat us in Cooper Cup, if he's the reason why they lose this game, I feel like that's a really tough pill to swallow. Because you would think that with these two weeks of practices, you've been planning on Cup for much of these two weeks, especially from a secondary standpoint. And you know, if there's one thing we can't let happen, it's let Cooper Cup, who's this year been the best receiver in the NFL, we can't let him beat us. We can't let him get easy pitching catches with Matthew Stafford. And that'll obviously make Matthew Stafford's life easier. And obviously that really opens things up for Odo Beckham Jr., for Van Jefferson, and even in the running game as well. I, I agree with you. I think Cooper Cup should be the priority, and he will be the priority. And I think you know Cincinnati will commit their full attention to neutralizing him. But I think that at the same time, Cincinnati's going to need to produce splash in this game somehow. Um, whether that is rushing throws, other Matt Stafford is going to be put under pressure and rush throws, or whether that's defensive backs being a little bit aggressive, jumping some routes. The Cincinnati Bengals will have to create a splash play or two um, on defense, I think, to change momentum and, and give the guy that, a chance. And they've done it in the postseason. Well, exactly. I think that the Titans, they, I think... They had a first play of the game. I think, what, Jesse Bates had the interception. You look at B.J. Hill and his interception last week against the Chiefs. In these close games against teams that are arguably better than them or at least on their level, they've had big plays, big splash plays on defense that really have turned the tide of the game. Shy, I want to talk about a, a big storyline on the Rams side coming to this game. With every game, every big moment, there's pressure. And we always like to say who has the most pressure. Sometimes I feel like we're grasping at straws, right? You know, sometimes we, we want to say there's pressure on so-and-so just because you know, we like to put up storylines. As you said, this is probably from, you look at the pressure on the Rams, it's probably the most pressure there's been on a team in quite a while. When you look at the assets they gave up to get a Jalen Ramsey, to get Matthew Stafford, and to be in the position they're in. So I ask you, Heading into this game, heading into the Super Bowl, who do you think has more to prove and has more pressure on them heading into this game? Matthew Stafford or Sean McVay? I think this might shock some people, but I'm going to go with Sean McVay. He's the head coach of this team. You have the roster assembled. You're in the biggest, you're in the big game here. And yes, you're not on the field. You can't, at the end of the day, control what happens. But you can put, if you put, the expectation is, if you've done enough to put your, to put this team, the team that has all of these assets in a position to win, there shouldn't be that much debate about it. And I'll, I'll if add you're this, on the LA Rams sideline. I'll add this, because I actually agree with you. Sean McVay's boss is less need. Sean McVay said, I want Matthew Stafford. I want player X. I want player Y. All Les Need has done is said, basically, yes, sir, and at your request, and in a blink of an eye, the player Sean McVay wanted happens to be on the Rams roster. I mean, Les Need is a head coach's dream. 
I mean, it, he he's a magician. Every every player that you know, it's like you. I feel like Sean McVay you know, will rub like the magic bottle, and the player yeah. he wished for will within days suddenly appear. Thanks to Les Need. Les Need's mm-hmm. the bottle, and he'll make whatever <laughs> he'll make whatever Sean McVay wishes. You know, just appear. So I, I do agree with you, with Sean McVay, because I'll say this about Stafford. Mm-hmm. No doubt is there pressure on Stafford. But I think some of the pressure, knowing he has helped them get to this point, is a little unfair. Yes, there's, of course, pressure in terms of Jared Goff got them to this point, And we all think that Stafford is a more talented and overall better quarterback than Jared Goff. But it's not like Stafford put this pressure on himself. Yeah, he didn't win much, really any, in Detroit. Had Never won a playoff game there. But he now has won a bit in L.A. He has helped them get to a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, if he lays a clunker, that's a whole different story. But also, Matthew Stafford can only do so much. That's right. Stafford can only do so much, and... Some of the pressure, I think, it's, it's not like he asked for the pressure. He came into a situation that already had so much pressure on him. And again, I do think there's absolutely pressure on Matthew Stafford. But Sean McVay is the head coach of this entire football team. We've constantly praised McVay of how much of an offensive genius he is, how the Rams have been good year in and year out, how he's really rebuilt this whole program in L.A., and now, again, here the Rams stand, one win away, with what looks like actually a, you know, not a, I want to say brand new, but definitely different team than when they were in a couple years ago, a few years ago against the Patriots. If McVay goes down to one of his former assistants, I don't want to say questions won't arise about his job security, but there will be questions of, can Sean McVay win the big one? And I think all those questions would be very fair to ask. I completely agree. I was just Espe- gonna... especially when the Rams have the more, have are the way more talented team. And at least a few years ago, it's like okay, we were going against Tom Brady. I know Joe Burrow has you know maybe drawn some comparisons in terms of a young Tom Brady, but he's not Tom Brady. <laughs> no, uh, he's not. I think that is that's great. Uh, that's a great analysis because. I was just about to mention, I think McVeigh, like, could his job, you know, be I don't think some... It, I mean, if he loses this game, I, there's going to be worthy criticism, but I don't think we're going to jump to the, oh, do the Rams need to change it, head coach? I think that's taking it a step too far. I agree. I that's agree. taking it a step too far in terms of job security. But just like what we do with quarterbacks, yeah, we've done it... Kind of with Lamar Jackson, really, before he won that playoff game. It's Then with Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo, can quarterbacks win the playoff game? Why not the head coach? Or why not sometimes a coordinator? Sean McVay has helped get them there. But so far, he has yet to win the big one. And now, he's on the way more talented team, coaching against one of his former assistants, against a young and inexperienced team. As we kind of said at the beginning of the podcast, at home... The Rams have an advantage at almost every position group. And even at quarterback, where they may not have the advantage, it's not like they're lacking at that position. They have a very good quarterback. In fact, the quarterback that McVay said, I want that guy, I think he's the guy to lead us to a Super Bowl. So even if, you know, Matthew Stafford were to fail, yes, there'd be criticism on Stafford, 
But I think some of it would also, some fingers would have to point to McVeigh saying, this is the guy you didn't want, and at least in year one, he couldn't come through. I think all of those criticism would, in fact, be valid, which leads to the question of, Alex, do the Rams win this game? Do the Rams win the Super Bowl this Sunday? Take home the Vince Lombardi take, trophy. Take home. And leave at home. They'd be leave, leave at home. Leave on, on their way out. You know, whoever locks the keys at night, they can just leave the trophy there. They don't have to take it on the bus or the plane right. or anything. They can just leave it at home. Um, I'm. This is such a... It's going to be a great game. It's going to be an entertaining game. And I think it's always good. It's tough, but it's always good when you are not confident at all in your pick. Yeah. Because I look at these teams on paper, I look at some of what's transpired, and I say, the Rams should win this game. I don't want to say easily, but they should win this game pretty handily. But there's one guy and one man that throws a wrench into all of that. And it's Joe Burrow. And the Bengals have that. You know, they said, instead of saying, why not us, they said, it is us. I'm going to pick the Rams. <laughs> as you, as you, you know, as they say that with a huge question mark at the end of the sentence, showing my through the roof confidence level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Rams because I do think that first off, I think if they don't win this year, I still think there'll be opportunities because the NFC isn't as strong, but I think that it would be a huge golden opportunity wasted. And at the end of the day, I don't see them. I don't see the Bengals limiting Cooper Cup. I think Cooper Cup is going to have his way with this Bengals secondary all day long. And I think that Matthew Stafford is, as I said earlier, a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. Where the Bengals were able to overcome all the nine sacks and constant hits and pressures against the Titans. I don't know if they'll be able to do that against this Rams team. Where you look at the Rams D line with Von, a resurgent. Von Miller, Aaron Donald, who is probably one of the few interior defensive linemen better than Jeffrey Simmons, and Leonard Floyd. I think the Rams can get constant pressure on Burrow, and I think I love the way the Rams' offense has played. And two weeks ago, they they showed they can also win a gritty, ugly football game. I'm going to give the slight edge to L.A., but at the same time, it really, like, there's a bad feeling in my stomach picking against Joe Burrow. I think everything you said was valid. I don't really disagree with much of it. But I'm going to pick the Bengals. I think this is a team that has... I, I sound like a broken record, but they've overcome all these odds. It is them. Um, that's the beauty of football. That... When you when you punch that ticket to the tournament, and you want it more than they do, you play better. It doesn't matter who's standing across it's, from you. As you said, it's one game. Anything can happen any given Sunday or Saturday, come playoff time. But uh, no, it, it is the beauty of football. And as I said, there really is this feeling, this feeling somewhere in my stomach that's saying, "Don't pick against Burrow. Don't do it. You know it's bad." Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I'm picking them, but the Bengals have always risen to the occasion. 
um, in this postseason, I think really in this well, year. at the same time, so as Stafford. I mean, I, you want to say? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, in the postseason, in the in postseason, the postseason yes. But I would argue that this rant, this this Bengals team has shot has been brighter under the lights than That's the Rams. Fair. And at the same time, I think it's also we had higher expectations for the Rams than the Bengals. So even if the two teams were playing, you know, on a similar path. Up to this point, we might be more blown away by the Bengals just because our expectations weren't as high for them. I think the Bengals are more confident, and I think they have the right to be. They're the hotter team going into this tournament, and we were talking about the Rams skidding well, a little bit before. If you have Joe playoffs. Burrow, if you have Joe Burrow, you better be the more confident team. That that that's true, that's true. I think that just you said you know Cooper Cup could wreck this game. I agree, but I think that the Bengals will somehow be able to pressure Matt Stafford. I think we have seen moments where Stafford can get frustrated, where sometimes it feels like maybe the moment is a little big for him. And that's fair at the same time. We've never seen that for Joe Burrow. Down 17-7 two weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, Stafford rose up to the occasion. When the lights were brightest, and even though you say it was a home game for them, Niners fans showed out. At times, it probably felt like a road game. Matthew Stafford played his best football when he had to. Again, I I think I think that is fair, but you never really know what's gonna ha- what the feelings are going into the big game, and to the Cooper Cup point, I think they he'll have a game. He'll get he'll be able to have some of his way at times. But I think the the Bengals will be able to dedicate enough resources to slow him down. I don't have confidence as much as maybe you do or other people do that Odo Beckham Jr. is beating in you know in, in Eli Apple or Chidobi Awuzie yeah, in single coverage. So the twenty fourteen New York Giants first round pick against the twenty sixteen New York Giants first round pick. Right, and I think this Bengals secondary we're acting like they're a bunch of bums, but they've played. They're ex- not. No, they're not bums. But I also think that. Guys like Odell and Van Jefferson can win their one-on-one matchups. And I think based off what we've seen this season, those the corners I've mentioned have been better than they have been. You think So you think that the Bengals' cornerbacks have been better than Odell has, especially when you look at coming into this game? Yeah. Okay. That, I would accept that, that. I think that's probably the biggest disagreement we have and probably the biggest reason why you're going to Cincinnati and I'm going to L.A. Yeah, I, I, I just have con- I have more confidence in Zach Taylor as a coach right now. Wait, three years ago, if I told you... Oh, three you, years ago, I would laugh in your face. If, but if I, I, told I you, believe it as I see it, and I believe in it. You're a Zach Taylor believer. I just can't imagine having this conversation two... Heck, a year ago. Could you imagine Oh, yeah, saying, a year ago? Yeah, a I'd year ago, at the, beginning, at the beginning of the season... A year ago, a year, not, not even a year ago, August. If in August I said you would have, by the end of the year, you would have more confidence in Zach Taylor than Sean McVay, you would have told me, you're crazy. Well, well but I'd say, what if you said that to me? Oh, if I said that to you? If, if you, you're telling me that you have more confidence in Taylor than McVay. You probably, <laughs> you, you, you probably would have been speechless. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I don't think anyone expected. Yeah, I, I, I would say it almost helps in this point to have not been in the big game before. because You're playing with almost house money, almost a carefree mentality. Right, I think the Bengals are. I think the pressure 
is so much on the Rams that... Because the Rams, and I think more so Sean McVay knows, that if they don't win this game, and I know you want to say you block out the outside noise... It's and a he, long road back. It, not only is it a long road back, but you will hear, is Sean McVay the right leader for the Los Angeles Rams? Something that I think a couple years ago we would have been very surprised to say. But it's definitely, I think, a conversation that I don't think we'll have, but there'll definitely be some people in the media, maybe some rumblings of... Mm. Can Sean McVay lead the Rams to the promised land? Well, this is a conversation for... I mean, this is a point that could go in the favor of either team, but if you're the Rams, you're like, if not now, when? We might not be back here. And, and I, you know, I, this I, is an older team. If you're the Bengals, like, we've got our guy. Well, we can play this well with this group of guys. We can come back here next year. With, uh, two things. One is, I think I, Burrow coming off his second year off the ACL injury and a pretty much improved offensive line... That could make for an even more dangerous Bengals team. I will say this. The whole, you know, it's only Burrow's second year and they're young and, you know, maybe they can only get better. Tell that to Dan Marina. I think... I, 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 I know not everything's <laughs> like Dan Marino and it's it's definitely different, but everyone was saying that about Marino. He he loses to well, Montana. He had a better supporting cast when he was there. But, no, he loses to Montana and obviously never gets back. So... We can say the Bengals have this super bright future and they should be back. Josh Allen's in that conference. Lamar Jackson's in that conference. Patrick Mahomes is in that conference. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's in that conference. The a- And I'll say this about, and you know, the NFC. Brady's retiring. Questions surrounding Aaron Rodgers' future. Russell Wilson is still a good quarterback. I don't know if he's the same quarterback he was Two, three years ago. He might not be there next year. He might not, I think he might... There's questions about will he be there, but even if he's there, I don't think the Seahawks will be... He might still be great. I don't know if the, how good this actual Seahawks team will be. The NFC's right now a lot more wide open than the AFC. So I will say, if there's... If you know we are predicting one year from now, I think there's also a better... I think there might be a better chance the Rams do get back than the Bengals when we talk about the short term. The long term, I absolutely agree with you. We're both going in separate directions on this one. Neither of neither of us are particularly confident, which is fun. Which it's is it's fun. going to be a great game. It it's will. going to be an entertaining game. Uh, this game should come down to the fourth quarter. Uh, obviously, we kind of wish our teams were in the game. At the sure. Same, at the same time, it would be fun to to not have all this nervous energy be building up. It's Alex's worst nightmare if the Giants are in the Super Bowl. I wouldn't say no. It's not my worst nightmare. <laughs> But um, the amount of the, I think the amount of panic attacks I would be having if the Giants were in uh, would not be of the healthy amount. It's a fair, it's a fair thing to say. <laughs> um, I guess the last thing, and Shai, you can obviously add your kind of sure. final takeaways. Is I, I mentioned it on the last podcast, Andrew Whitworth. Mm. It, it really isn't crazy mm. that how much of a full circle moment this is. A lot of reports are that this could be his last game. I believe he's one of, if not, I think he might be the oldest player in the NFL uh, with the retirement of Tom Brady now. Long-time Bengal. Uh, he was with the Bengals during the Marvin Lewis tenure where they always made the playoffs, could never win. He was part of that team, those teams that could never get over the hump. Long-time Bengal, on a Bengal in a Bengals organization that had a lot of depleted parts and positions. He was always a brought stability to an organization that in some cases was really lacking it. Late in his career he goes to the Rams. 
gets to a Super Bowl, has a chance to potentially end his career by winning a ring, and the team, and the one team in his way, the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that he probably thought, would ne- he wouldn't have probably thought he would be in the league when the Bengals were in this opportunity. And here we are, Rams, Bengals, as Andrew Willis trying to go out on top and the one team standing his way. The team he was with for years and years and years. That that would really sting, huh, the Bengals, the, the that, young guns. That would, that would probably, that would hurt, I would think. Yeah. The team you left because you could never get over the hump ultimately is the reason why you couldn't get that you couldn't get over the hump. <laughs> you couldn't get that illustrious ring. That uh, that would definitely uh, hurt. And something that, again, this is probably his last game too. So for that to be your last game against your former team and to go out like that, it could go. it's going to go one of two ways. And they're right now on the polar ends. Definitely a storyline to watch for sure as... Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow, number nines, duel it out in this one. I'm excited. Um, I just want to say, a quirky stat. Mm. Burrow's trying to become the third quarterback to, I believe, win the Heisman, win the College National Championship, and win the Super Bowl. The other two were also named Joe. <laughs> Joe, I mean, Joe Namath, Jets, and Joe Montana of the 49ers. So I guess, I don't know, name your kids Joe if you want, if you want to have football success. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? I guess not. Well, those are. I guess I'm. I, I'm spent on on, on I this. Guess I'm just excited. I kind of mentioned Darius Williams in okay. as an X factor. Do you have an X factor you want to kind of uh, point out before hmm. we close out the final episode of hmm. the 2021 22 NFL season? Yeah. Um, Mike Hilton's a guy to watch. I don't know if I would say he's an X Factor, but he's a guy to watch. I also I don't like when people say an X Factor and then they say like Jalen Ramsey or the quarter or one of the quarterbacks in Aaron Donald. Like pick when I think X Factor, I kind of think of like an underrated. Should I guy. say Trey Hopkins? Yeah, you could. Should I go and say Trey Hopkins? If you can block Aaron Donald, you mean you'll be the hero, right? No, if, if Trey <laughs> Hopkins has a game, has the game of his life. Uh, he'll yeah. be the X Factor. He'll, yeah, he'll he then, will be. He, I when I also think X Factor guys who, right? That even if they I have, could say Jesse Bates, but that's you know Jesse Bates. I don't need to have a big game either right. way. And when I say Darius Williams, I think not so much like if he has a big game that's huge for the Rams, but if he also struggles, that's all. That also could play a big part in the outcome. So guys who Fair their points. performance plays a big part in the outcome, for better or worse. Yeah, I don't know if I have a definitive X factor like you do in this game. I think all the pieces are gonna have to work together um, for both teams. Um, I, think, I think Tyler Boyd's another guy that Tyler Boyd's interesting. He hasn't he hasn't really uh, he hasn't gotten as much credit or, or, or love this year because of Jamar Chase and T Higgins and their their emergence into really one of the better one two punches in the NFL. But all there's gonna be a lot of attention on Higgins and Chase and. I mean, you go back to the 2011-2012 Super Bowl, obviously there's a famous quote of Bill Belichick talking to his defense about stopping Victor Cruz and Hakeem Nix for the Giants, saying, you know, make him go to Manningham, make him go to Pasco. Just, this is still a Cruz and Nix game, take him out. And you think about it from the Rams' perspective, this is a, you know, you wonder if McVay is kind of preaching, this is a Higgins and Chase game, and you think, does that 
does that ride is Boyd does Boyd ride to the occasion potentially get a larger target share than maybe he has in these playoffs up to now? I think that's probably going to be part of the the Bengals game plan, because uh, you you have got guys. I mean the 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 Rams have Jalen Ramsey. The Rams have Darius Williams, but who's covering Tyler Boyd? Right, especially with. You know, we'll see about Eric Weddle. He's definitely playing well for a guy who they the Rams signed off the streets. But both the Rams safeties, you know, Rapp is out. Fuller is, I believe he's out. Or, you know, he's, I think both their safeties are out or at least severely hindered. I expect, I expect the uh, Bengals at, to come with the presence of Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, and Aaron Donald. I expect the Bengals to come out and have a quick passing attack to at least let some of those nervous jitters settle down and get some of their, especially younger players and offensive linemen settled in. Yeah. And you know, passing game early. A guy we haven't mentioned yet today somehow is Joe Mixon. Right. Um, it's, it's tough to imagine him, you know, winning this game for the Bengals almost because it doesn't really feel like the identity of that team, but we forget like Joe Mixon helped put that game on ice against Cincinnati Samaj so uh, P. Ryan had a long re- reception touchdown, receiving touchdown near the end of the first half that really started to change momentum in the Bengals' favor. Exactly. So uh, I expect a quick passing game early to kind of settle some of these young guys down, especially the offensive line. And that's also a way to neutralize Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and those great pass rushers. If you can't block the ball, too. Running it, you know, use their aggressiveness against them. Squeak. Uh, Screams, screen passes, maybe stretching the field horizontally rather than vertically at the beginning of the game. Just, just to kind of settle guys down and build confidence, especially in your offensive line. Exactly. Well, I think that's that's going to do it for the final NFL Game Time, NFL game time episode of the 2021-22 season. Now, we will have a Super Bowl recap episode next week, so we hope you join us for that episode. For now, we'll see you next week on NFL Game Time Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you enjoyed this NFL season. And we hope you enjoy what should be a fantastic and entertaining Super Bowl. See you next time on NFL Game Time Podcast.